You are now listening to the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast, hosted by Darrell Smith, with Paulus Ruger and Honeymoon in Vegas. Well, um, interesting breakthrough with Ruger in Vegas. I'm out here. It's about 11, 11 at night. Um, just out here having a nice little sip on rum and coke and uh, you know, a little cigar. And uh, my biggest goal was to get Vegas to fetching and retrieving and inadvertently didn't mean to do it, but I had a Ruger out here, got two dummies with uh, quail wings attached to them. And um, through one, made Ruger sit, and Vegas took off to it. And uh, Ruger sit. Good boy, we're out here now. And uh, made, and, and Vegas took off towards it. And Ruger held. He let Vegas go do it, and Vegas kind of messed around and piddled with it for a second. And kind of just ignored me. And uh, I threw the second dummy for Ruger to go retrieve. I released him to go do it. He went perfect like a champ. Brought it on back. And uh, Vegas kind of looked at him like, what are you doing? Next thing you know, Vegas brought the uh, dummy back to me for a retrieve. Well, I figured I would check it out and see if that was just a fluke. And I did the same thing again. And what happened? Vegas brought that bad boy back onto my hand. So, um, no force, just fun, and getting both of these dogs working together and uh, seem to work out. Let's keep doing a little bit more. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. What you guys just heard was just some audio that I recorded last night, uh, messing around outside with the dogs and just throwing some bumpers and wasn't expecting Vegas to do that, but that little puppy brought that old bumper back onto my hand and, uh, you know, made me proud. I didn't realize that he would just watch Ruger and, uh, and kind of figure it out like that. We did it a few more times and it worked out just great. Um, wasn't super perfect, but it definitely worked out the way that I wasn't expecting. And since then, we've been kind of, you know, just harping on it. We are in here in the studio with good old Vegas himself being a knucklehead and, you know, kind of giving me a hard time sitting in my lap. But before we go on, I do want to say... Um, a couple of thanks and, and acknowledgments to my sponsors, Dakota 283 Kennels, all right, for the ultimate pet protection, all right, it's definitely made my experience as far as traveling really, really well, um, and Vegas is actually kennel broke now, and it's been a fun process, you know, he's, he's responding to me, letting him come in and out of the kennel, um, you know, I call his name and tell him to go in, call his name and tell him to go out. Um, that that door, man, that bad boy don't want nothing to do with that that good old steel door. Um, it's very secure. I will say, I've said it all the time, that's my favorite part of it. Also, you know, I haven't dealt with the tackiness of, you know, metal aluminum kennels because you don't get dents and dings. All right, so um, also, 
for the sake of my wife being pregnant, when she's had to pick up uh, the kennel, it wasn't a burden on her. It wasn't super, super, super heavy. So with that, I want to thank Dakota 283 Kennels for just continuing to make very innovative products. Um, there are a whole host of other uh, products on the website, Dakota283Kennels.com. Also, I need to be talking to Greg soon to uh, see what the next big offer is coming up with uh, with Dakota 283. So look out for that soon. The Pride Dog Food and their performance blend, we've gone ahead, gone ahead and uh, moved Vegas on up to the, uh, the adult performance blend. I was using Puppy Feed before and it was great, but I mean, he's ready to move on. Um, I wanna make sure that I kinda stay on track with that. Lion Country Supply for the excellence in, in their history and the, the dog supplies and dog products sector. Um, they've been around for a good little while and actually what's crazy is I actually just found an old uh, Lion Country Supply catalog from when I really first started, uh, first started doing this thing. That was kind of cool. And maybe that was some foreshadowing going on. Um, you know, outside of that, Project Upland, guys, now y'all know I'm a big fan of Project Upland. Go check out the AYA film In Our Veins. If that don't make you want to subscribe to that magazine, I don't know what else to tell you. But subscribe to the magazine. This is the issue zero, issue one. This should be issue two that we're on now. Don't get left behind. These magazines are definitely going to be something that I deem timeless. I think uh, the, the way that AJ and Chet and Nick Larson um, and Will Sensing and Jake Terry, all of those guys that are contributing, you know, visual work and, and creativity towards Project Upland, I really think that they're going to be some dynamos in the industry, all right? They're doing a lot for this community and AJ is just always pushing the bar. I talk to him fairly regularly. Um, also, 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 Orvis, I wanted to thank them. You guys can go ahead and check out my article as well, all right? A good season pass. Check that out on the Orvis uh, hunting and shooting blog. I thought I'd put, a, you know, put some thoughts into that one. I definitely did. I gave y'all a little bit more introspection. Um, the photos, I wanted to make sure I kind of captured the, the mood and the feels of the moment. So check that out, let me know what you think. Um, there's also some more writing coming up soon, all right? Um, and I'll let y'all know when that comes out. Also, I was re-listening to my last uh, podcast with Terry Bombay. I'm not sure why the intro, and, and maybe it was just on my end, but I'm not sure why the intro repeated itself. Like this is the, you know, you're not listening to the Gundog Notebook podcast. I don't know why it repeated itself in the intro. I'm so sorry for that, guys. Um, I guess I didn't catch that when it was there. So just a small, you know, little glitch. I'm typically mindful of stuff like that. So sorry if that was kind of annoying. Um, that won't happen again, though. Um, outside of that, you know, I, I really want to give you guys this particular episode 
to take notes right out of my Gundog notebook number two. There have been quite a few people that have purchased my uh, my book, and I appreciate it. I really appreciate the support. Um, so, before we proceed, you guys, make sure you guys go to the gundognotebook.com, go to the merch section, and you can find notebook number two. It's the only product that I have available because it's the only product that I actually care about that I've actually put out thus far. Um, you know, I... I I care about that deeply because it was something I put a lot of thought into. The shirts were great. Um, the first notebook was great, but this one stole my heart. All right, it's it's everything that I imagined. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's everything that I imagined I would put into a training notebook. You know, and and. I always think it's good to have some direction when you're going into dog training. So, like I said, I, I took everything else off the website for now. I just want to put up a notebook number two. That is all I want to focus on right now because also it's training season. It's training season. So make sure you guys hop on that. Um, outside of that, man, thank y'all for being such awesome supporters. Loving the podcast. Please, please, please rate and review. Give me some more reviews, guys. I would, you know, like to see that. Some more ratings. If it's not too much time out of your uh, out of your day, invite a friend to listen to the podcast. You can find my stuff on Instagram at the Gundog Notebook, Facebook, the Gundog Notebook. Um, check out my listeners group. I'm also posting a little bit more content in there as well. The Gundog Notebook listeners page. All right. So, with that being said, I'll go ahead and get this bad boy on started. Vegas is sitting here in my lap sleeping, so I guess he might wake up sometime when I say something good and or bad about him in this training. I don't know. Stay tuned, guys. Okay, okay, okay. So, we talking about my notes from the Gundog Notebook number two. Um, so, you know... It's, it's, this is a bit more of a personal episode, um, and I really, really, really wanted to kind of go over with you guys just a little bit about my prog prog process, I guess not progress, but process right now, and some of the things that I want to work on with a three-month-old pup. Um, you know, I've noticed a lot of different things, and, and, and I talk to a lot of folks um, about training techniques, but the folks that I have always just admired were Delmar and Neil Carter and uh, Bud Moore as far as just the way I want to really apply a lot of my um, a lot of my knowledge and uh, efforts to this little pointer puppy and at three months old you know it's important to remember that it's not really about anything other than getting that dog exposed. Now, I'm really not going to do a whole lot with him until he's probably about six months. Um, I can talk all day about dogs, but realistically, this little joker here has reminded me to keep my expectations very, very, very low. And in doing so, I've actually seen a lot of progress from him. There's a lot of things that I want to just harp on um, you know, that he does naturally. And I want to really, really encourage him to push those things. So just a couple of things, you know, 
I'd already seen, you know, for one, him retrieving, and there was that clip at the beginning of this uh, episode was just, you know, that point when I kind of had a weird breakthrough and it worked. Um, had nothing to do with me. And I think it's important to remember that a lot of this dog's talents and, you know, abilities really don't have much to do with me. I don't want to take credit for that. Um, it's It's important for me to not get beside myself and think that I'm really, really doing a lot for a three-month-old puppy. I'm not, okay? I'm, I'm really not, all right? Much, much of this stuff is him figuring out how to navigate the world and navigate the woods and navigate these birds. And really, I go off, Delmar always talk about happy time, and that's pretty much what I do. You know, it started when we first got him, you know, myself and, and my wife and Ruger in Vegas, we would all just go walking through the woods. Let the dogs figure out the smells and, and stuff like that. And it was, you know, pretty cold at the time. I got them January, I got them, uh, not January 1st. I got him in February, February 20th, my birthday, but he was born in January. I thought that was really, really good timing. Another thing that I also wanted to include in this podcast was, you know, the the idea about sight pointing, you know, I'm learning a lot about pointers, but, you know, sight pointing is something that I'm honestly okay with right now. You know, everything from wing on a string to what he's doing now with pigeon work. Another thing I wanted to go through was, um, you know, the woe training that we've been doing, which was, that was a bit more of a breakthrough too. I thought it was going to be a bit more complex than what it has been so far and maybe that's a blessing and then lastly you know teaching myself to shut up i think we can all use a good bit of duct tape when you training these puppies um you know i'm i'm not anybody's pro trainer and because of that the best thing i can do for this dog is shut up is just stop talking um so I want to kind of present all of this stuff to you straight out of my notebook. You know, I've, I've also thought it was pretty good to on Instagram. If, if you follow me there, kind of pair up the notes with the photo um, and, and pair up the notes with maybe a GoPro video as well. So that's been kind of a, a big thing for me as of recent, but I kind of want to talk about this dog's retrieving. I mean, I've heard everything from pointers aren't necessarily good at retrieving. They're not really there for that. I've heard a lot of different things about that, and I just choose not to subscribe to that. Um, Vegas, when I got him from the moment that he put his feet on 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 3333 Lowland Drive, you know, he was naturally holding and carrying. He'd go pick something up, run off with it. Um you know, he go, uh, you know, run off with this, run off with that and snatch covers from me and snatch a shirt, snatch socks. And the sock thing is probably my fault. Um, I didn't really want him chewing on all lot of stuff. And I, um, his mouth really wasn't big enough for anything. He got these little itty bitty teeth. So I just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, he had something that he can kind of mess around with. Now I can't keep socks away from him. But now that he's getting a little bit older, what I've done was cut up probably like a 
like a six to eight inch piece of PVC pipe. Um, nothing real huge, like the real thin one. And I'll just put a check cord on them in the hallway. Just, you know, toss it down the hallway, get them excited, worked up about it. And throw it down there. It makes enough noise. It's white. It, it does all the things that I think a puppy might be interested in doing. Um, you know, getting him used to different things and letting him just have a good time. What that's done for me so far has actually encouraged him to want to run away from me a little bit less and, and actually come to me because he knows if I keep bringing his stuff to him, we're going to keep having a good time. I think that's really, really, really important to remember that. Like, just keep it fun for them, but keep it controlled. You know, um, keeping that situation controlled and 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 kind of under your supervision, that'll really, really help out a ton. And it's helped me out a ton. Um, but much, much of this stuff is the same as what I was doing with Ruger when I first got him. The, literally the same techniques I'm using for this little pointer. Put him in a hallway, throw a dowel down. He doesn't like to bite down on a on a dowel. He just doesn't. Um, that little, it, it, it makes him want to just pick it up, bring it back to him. There's nothing for him to mouth on. There's nothing for him to really spend a whole bunch of extra time doing. It just gets straight to the point, bring it on back. Um, and so when you guys heard that breakthrough story, you know, what it ended up what ended up happening was I had both dogs outside and just threw one of my bumpers or whatever and and of course it was something for Vegas to mess around with it was soft it was, you know I guess he considered it more or less a chew toy and I wasn't you know wasn't really tripping about it I was having a nice drink you know cigar and I figured something came over me and told me well throw the other bumper out there Ruger was sitting at my heel just throw the other one out there and see what'll happen. I cast Ruger. He went, goes, pick it up like a champ. And Vegas stopped. And he just looked. He just looked like, what in the world are they doing? Let me come be a part of the party. Next thing I know, the dog literally brought that bumper back to me two hand. I mean, two hand. I didn't have to take a step or anything. Um, we did it two or three more times and it worked out great. Threw it one more time. He kind of went back to his old ways and just kind of running off. But I just kind of convinced him to come on back. And next thing you know, he brought it on back. So I think what he's doing is starting to understand like, okay, I'm getting the hang of this. It's kind of fun. And it, it gave me an opportunity to, to also work with Ruger and keep him steady and, and do kind of a retriever style honoring, you know, in that light. So... Whatever whatever I was doing that night, it, it had no basis on pressure. It was literally just screwing off and just hanging out with the dogs, really. So, you know, with retrieving, I want to introduce that to him very, very young. Go ahead and start working on that now. I'm not really is hard pressed on him pointing as I am him learning how to retrieve, picking something up and coming right back to me with it. Um, the pointing, I'm, and, and I'll get to that soon, but the pointing, I've just got the idea that it's in him. He comes from good genetics. That's not anything I'm going to be able to teach him. 
you know, just like all the other trainers, Neil and, and everybody else that I've heard, that tail, there is nothing I'm going to be able to do to contribute to that dog's tail going up. Mom and daddy gave it to him. And thank God, it seems like mom and daddy gave it, gave him a good one. So, seeing as how we're talking about pointing, um, right now, you know, I'm really just encouraging Vegas to sight point. I, I'm I, I'm not making it super complex for him to find birds. Um, so what I did was again another note another note out of Neil Carter's book. I um, got a pigeon pole and actually Gary up at uh, Pine Hill Kennels he does the same thing. Got a long piece of PVC pipe and um, excuse me, got a long piece of PVC pipe and messed around, tied uh, some clear catfish line to the top of it. It's probably, mine's is probably about 15 feet tall. It's real limber. I mean, it's just, it's real flexible. And I tied a um, a metal clip to the top of, I mean, to the uh, the end of the catfish line. I'm pretty sure a lot of you pointer guys, y'all have probably seen this as nothing, nothing, you know, just innovative. And uh, with my pigeons, I get a zip tie and tie to the end. And the zip tie has this little this little eye to it, like a little, you know, hook on the outside of it as well. And so it makes it very easy for me to get the pigeons on, get the pigeons off. And what I started doing was just uh, I went from wing on a string to the pigeon on the pole. The wing on a string, what I'd also noticed was he really liked Bob White wings. That seemed to trigger something, you know, very, 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 um, I guess it was intriguing to him. I used a dove wing at first and he was okay with it, but the, the Bob White wing was what really got him. And so then I also put the pigeon that I had, um, I put that on the pole and just kind of let Vegas piddle around with it. I just let Vegas piddle around with it and just kind of chase it, flush it, try to tackle it, do whatever he was going to do. And, you know, just learn that the birds aren't going to hurt him. Um, and if it got to be a little bit too much for him, before he got discouraged, I took him off of it. I didn't let him stay on there a whole lot of time. You know, with with stuff like this, I'm understanding that this, it doesn't take a whole lot of time, maybe five minutes here, five minutes there. Let the dog kind of play around. It's all got to be fun. You know, and so now, I mean, you know, he started trying to chase the bird around the pigeon pen. He couldn't even get in the pen. So that introduction was great. I know when I was um, recording one day, Someone asked, uh, you know, what's the right age to, you know, get a pup introduced to birds? Well, to me, it's ASAP. I put in, and by that, I think a wing is a good enough introduction to a bird. A wing on a string, that worked for me. Um, and then moving there, and I'm not going to put a seven-month-old puppy on a whole pigeon. That's, that's not going to work. You just scared the life out of that dog. Keep it simple. Keep it at a wing. And, you know, from there, I've got this now three-month-old puppy. And I, I think, I, I hope I didn't say seven-month. 
seven week old puppy. But now I've got this three month old puppy that, you know, is excited to be around birds and, and likes to run and, and just be himself and be the dog that he was bred to be. And so it, it, it was something that I wanted to be very mindful as I read through the Delmar book, uh, Best Way to Train Your Gun Dog. That was something that he harped on very, 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 very early, which was not creating a bird shy dog. So keeping that environment, you know, very controlled was something that always stayed at the forefront of my head. And with a young dog, I mean, it's it's great if you have like a like a quail or something like that, something that's not going to completely spook the dog. But I'm just now really coming around to pigeon introductions with this dog. Like really just now within the last maybe week, week and a half, like serious pigeon introduction. Um, and so from the poll, once I noticed that he would kind of start sight pointing and see the pigeon instead of trying to tackle it, he just kind of stopped. A little tail go up. And, and again, I'm just still letting him be what he is. I'm not telling him, whoa, I'm not doing anything. Um, I'm really just kind of letting him run around. From that point, I decided that I was going to take a stake, take it up, to, up the hill um, behind my house and into the woods and plant that bird, you know, attach it to the stake and plant it off into the woods. So at that point, then, now we're introducing a little bit of nose work, a little bit of nose work, but, and, and it was important for me to keep the dog ahead of me as well. You know, I didn't want to be walk. I didn't want to be walking and the dog fall behind me. So, you know, encouraging him to do that, introducing him to whatever word that you want him to know for, you know, hunt. You know, mine's is, is, is a Spanish word for hunt. And, um, you know, getting him to stay ahead of me and just kind of be curious about the woods. They're familiar woods, so it, it, it didn't spook him in that regard either. And I started to notice when the light bulb clicked on. When that light bulb clicked on, you can kind of see him using his nose, using his nose, using his nose. Nose go up in the air, nose go on the ground. He's just trying to figure out where the scent is coming from. And, you know, and then, of course, he caught sight of the pigeon. Now, I, I'm not using a white pigeon either. I'm using a brown one, something that will do a little bit better of a job camouflaging him against the... Um, the foliage of the of the woods, and hey, it worked out. He flushed the pigeon a couple of times, chased it, you know, did did what a puppy's gonna do at three months old. And after a while, I noticed he just kind of started falling into the point, you know. And I I, I kept that pigeon restrained um, on maybe 30, 40 foot cord, so he couldn't fly off too terribly far and for me I thought it was kind of cool that I could I, the dog could see the pigeon land and just kind of redo is redo the whole process not making it too complex for him just allowing the dog to be a puppy 
you know, folks down in Thomasville always said, you know, before you can make a man, he's got to be a boy. And then once he's a man, then you got to teach him back how to be a boy. Now, the third, the last part of that, I didn't necessarily see how that applied, but the first part of it was good. And so, um, you know, right now it's just literally letting that dog flush the birds, chase them. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not about to ask any more of this dog. If he wants a sight point, he is going to sight point. We'll introduce a little bit more challenge, a little bit more nose work as the time goes on. And also from this young age, I'm having him run uphill and work uphill before he gets to the flatter area. Because I think it's important for a dog to run uphill, to do some hill work. I mean, those those of, of my listeners that are athletes out there, those of my listeners that are athletes, you know, I know we all hated those drills, that, that doing the hills and stuff like that, but they make your legs stronger. And I can already see, you know, how this is going to benefit my dog. So keeping him running uphill was also you know, a big thing. And so all I'm doing is basically chaining a bunch of different things that we worked on separate, you know, in my backyard. Now I'm moving up the hill and now I'm introducing them to a couple of different, um, a couple of slightly different scenarios. Okay. Um, but still not putting a lot of pressure. Now what I messed up on you know, in, in regards to him pointing one good time I messed around and thought that it would be smart to take out my phone and take a picture of it. Well, I learned real quick that any little insignificant movement that was going to distract the dog. So, and, 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 I like to take pictures for my social media and stuff like that, but that wasn't as important as making sure this dog wasn't, you know, deterred from the goal and the task that he's trying to accomplish. So I switched to my GoPro. But also, speaking to the dog, whoa, this and whoa, that, it's not necessary right now. It's definitely not necessary. Let him figure it out. Um, Richard, I was talking to him and he was watching the videos and he was kind of like, you know, you'd have been better off not saying that because the dog already knew what he was trying to do. He was already focused. I actually shot myself in the foot by trying to, to, to woe him into a point. No, 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 no. You know, my buddy Anthony Farrow said same thing about me trying to touch that tail and style it up. And I, and I think for young aspiring trainers or new trainers or, you know, whatever you want to call yourself, that tail goes up and is so addicting to try to, to try to style them and do stuff like that. And you see a lot of older trainers do it and stuff, but I had to realize really quick, my dog ain't, he don't need the styling tail right now. As long as that tail is up, we're fine. And, and the moment that dog, you touch him and his head turns around and look at him, now you're creating another habit. 
you know, the, the, the difference that I'm learning with a lot of this stuff is training Ruger, a lab, was way different. Way, way, way different than, um, you know, this pointer. I wanted Ruger to be a little bit more cognizant about, you know, looking at me for direction and stuff. But with this pointer, I don't. I, I, I'm more of a deterrent, you know, towards him and, and, and getting him to a goal. He knows what he's doing, actually. So it's just something I wanted to kind of, you know, kind of highlight. I mean, scent pointing, we will get there. But right now, we'll, we'll introduce, introduce some lightweight scenting that'll lead up to a sight point. That's that's kind of how I'm going about it. A lot of people disagree with it. Eh, no big deal. Everybody trains differently. You know, the woe training was also kind of cool, too. So the way that I was going about doing that. So my favorite training tool is that good old Delmar Smith Wonder League. That has been... Like, if it's anything that I can say has been a true asset to my learning and with both dogs, my lab and my uh, and, and my pointer. But one thing that I can say has been a true asset to my training was, um, you know, using that Wonderly. Vegas, what are you doing? You done woke up and snapping and doing this and that. You awake, buddy? Thank you. All right. So the Delmar Smith Wonderly, uh, what I'm doing with that or, or what I started to do with it, and that I did start fairly early um, at the food bowl. I would kind of open it up and put it around his flank instead of his neck. Um, and I would stand in front of him. And so the dog and I are now, you know, facing each other. And I would keep the, I would tighten it up just enough and keep that, um, you know, keep the pressure on his flank to create a cue. And every time he stepped forward, I just pick him up, set him back down. The same thing, just replacing the dog and not letting him move. Well, keeping that, that, that lead tight and hearing that little click sound for the dog he started to pick it up real quick within about a week of me of me having it. You can tell the light, uh, I mean, having it on him, you can kind of tell the light bulb was coming on. Um, you know, it, I, not no barrel work, not anything, not a, not a woe post. I just literally used the lead on his flank. Now, if I say, whoa, that dog stops, which was great. I mean... It's more than I was expecting, and it was really just something that, like I said, I don't necessarily think it was innovative, but it, it just made sense to me. And then from there, I released the dog on his name and call word, um, which is another Spanish word for him to go eat. And so it's, it's little things like that. Starting this little three-month-old puppy off, with training and doing it around the food bowl. I'm sure most folks may have heard that plenty of times, but it works. It is worth its weight in gold. You know, getting him and, and finding out what his motivation was for me to get him to start woeing. It wasn't food that he was motivated to get to. 
It was actually water. Interestingly enough, this little puppy could care less about food. I mean, he eats it, of course, but water, he was losing his mind. So from that point forward, just getting him to woe, not worrying about styling his tail, and none of that happens. And I think a lot of people, myself included, can get lost in the idea of pointing that you forget that woe does not mean point. It means stop and put your feet on the ground. That's it. What you whining about, buddy? So, you know, really doing all of that stuff and circle and centering it around a food bowl, I'm, I'm really thinking all of these pieces are coming together. Sometimes we'll just walk around the house, walk around the woods now, and I'll just say Vegas, you know, W-O-H or W-O-A-H, because I don't want him, I don't want to catch his attention right now. Um using the name and giving that command, he just stops. He just stops. I'll do it before we before I throw retrieves for him. Just Vegas, W-O-A-H. And he stops. And then I call his name again and he releases to go retrieve. Now that part is, is a very familiar thing for me for, you know, training my lab. But it's just it's just kind of cool. I just kind of wanted to give you guys some insight on where I am with my training right now. You know, a lot of it is very short. A lot of my training is very short and limiting the amount of time that he's exposed to different things. Um, and, and limiting that because it also prevents me from doing something stupid. You know, and... Something that I also wanted to remember um, in regards to woe training was what I'm reading from the Delmar book as well, which is not woe training with birds. I don't do any of that. I, mm -mm, not a smart thing. And seeing how impactful birds can be in your training, good and bad, I definitely see why he said not to do that. You know, the, the goal is to keep the stress low, keep it, a um, keep it at a, a, a very highly controlled environment and, and just letting him be a three-month-old puppy. At six months old, we'll have another conversation. You know, and I, I wanted to document this entire process as best as I can, you know, interrupt my interviews and things like that with other guests on the podcast just to go back to, like I said, the original gun dog notebook style of telling you guys and, and kind of narrating that process and just being mindful of different things. You know, I take notes all the time, being mindful of my vo vocal inflections. Something that I've also been doing is whispering to my dog, not underestimating his ability to hear. So that way, when, when we're out hunting and in the woods, my voice becomes more meaningful based on, you know, my, uh, my vocal inflection and just some more things that I also want to slowly start to introduce. I'm going to steal one from uh, Ryan Mulcahy, who also did a uh, podcast with. I'm going to, in addition to the barrel, use a plank as well for about a six inch wide, you know, plank. Set it up just like you would a barrel. 
and really start to work on styling that dog. But that again is down the line. I've got plenty of time to build it. I've already built my woe barrel. And I just kind of want to give the dog a variety of different ways to learn. That's all I'm doing. You know, as, as an educator, it's very, very important to do that with students. And the more you expose the dog to, the better off he'll be. I'm, I'm not interested in anything else that's going to put a lot of pressure on that dog. You know, my last thing, I'm also excited to go and... Um, and I think on the, the 20th of April, I'm going to train with George Gordon out in T uh, Tuskegee, Alabama. That's going to be cool. He's definitely, I met him at my first Nastra event that I went to. And he was just, he was too kind. Funny as all get out. But he's racked up quite a win, um, you know, in, in the Nastra game as well. I'll have him on the podcast. And, and, and he's another one of the old heads that you want to learn from. So anywho, you know, outside of that, guys, I just wanted to just take some time and chat it up about what's in my gun dog notebook number two. Everybody has different training methods. You know, you, you listen to one thing, you listen to another. I don't necessarily think there's a absolute right way. Now, there are some wrong ways to go about it. But my, my training has been a combination of trial and error, um, a combination of three different folks' methodology and, and, and different as far as the people that they are. But the ideas and the methods are actually very, very similar. Bud Moore and Delmar have a lot in common. Neil Carter has a lot in common with Delmar, has a lot in common with Bud. Neil also has a lot in common with um, with a few other folks that I know. Neil uses a plank, just like Ryan Mulcahy. I mean, all of this stuff is really, really helping me to figure out what type of bird dog that I want and what I want out of him. And right now, that question is too is too soon for me to have an answer for that question. But it's not too soon for me to start investigating that question. So with that being said, guys, thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for listening to me rant. You know, I, I know every so often I'll hop on here by my lonesome and get on. And, and next week, uh, next episode, we will have another guest on. Um, I'm looking at getting uh, Paul Cook from Alder Fork Setters. He should be on coming up, and I've got a, uh, I've got a couple of other folks. Bob Owens from Lone Duck, he's supposed to be coming up soon too. So you know, bear with me, hang in there with me, guys, and we'll definitely, uh, you know, get some more guests on, get some more ideas, some more training thoughts. You know, I, I'm enjoying the training season. I feel like I'm back in school again. All right. That is another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. Thank y'all for listening. Thank y'all for being there with me. Thank you for supporting. Please go and rate and review and subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, or anywhere else you hear from it. 
Um, you know, drop me a note. Let me know if you think some of the training stuff is completely absurd or if you do want to use some of it, you know, let me know if it worked. That's what it's here for. That's what we're all doing. Um, also, look for a few more updates with the podcast coming up soon. Can't tell you right now, but I got a few surprises in store for you. All right, guys. Have a great one whenever you're listening to in the morning, afternoon, or evening. And I will catch y'all next week.